Welcome to A Way of Thinking. I'm your host, Jessica Huang. This podcast is a place of exploration to learn and grow from each other on the journey to becoming our best selves. Let's get to today's show. Today's episode is a continuation of my conversation with Aisha Grant. Aisha is a Dharma, Yoga Wheel, and Vinyasa Yoga instructor, Reiki healer, author, YouTuber, tarot reader, and mystic based in London, UK. Now enjoy the rest of our conversation. So let's go here, actually. (laughs) If you haven't noticed, Aisha has been mentioning numbers throughout this episode, so I feel like we have to address that. So yes, let's talk about angel numbers. Yes. Where do I start? Uh, so, <laughs> angel number. Okay, so I'll just I'll just get right into it. Most people, especially at this point in time, everyone kind of maybe screenshots it when they see eleven eleven on the clock on their phone, and eleven eleven seems to be like <laughs> just one of those numbers these days. Everyone, everyone at this point knows. Okay, yes, that's an angel number. This means something, and all of that. I didn't know it was called an angel number when I was doing that. I just yes. knew like it was a magical Something. number. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have a slightly different take on the whole angel number thing. So I know that there's a website. I actually used to use this. Um, I forgot what it's called now, but it's a website where you can find out the meaning of just every number combination, all of the numbers. And for a while, yeah, for a long while, I did used to kind of whenever I'll see <laughs> certain number combination I would go to the page and google and find out what it means and you know it resonated for a while but then it stopped resonating with me and then I started to realize that okay hang on perhaps the number combinations mean different things for different people so whenever I see eleven eleven, it could mean this for me based on my movie, <laughs> and based on the lens through which I'm looking at the world through. But for Jessica, eleven eleven could mean something different, you know, based on where she is and based on just who she is and what she needs to see and experience. So this is now the way I approach the numbers. Uh, rather than kind of Googling or asking somebody what a number means, there's two things I do. I either will program the numbers to mean certain things for me. So <laughs> if I want to speed up a manifestation. I could say whenever I see 4-4 anywhere, so whether it's on a clock or on a car plate or just anywhere, it means X, Y, Z. Or I could say, oh, when I see this, it is accelerating. No, rather, I could say when I see 4-4, this is bringing me closer towards this Bali timeline or closer towards this house I'm trying to manifest or whatever it is I'm trying to manifest. So I will use the numbers to help speed up my manifestations. Um, it could be anything. It could be, oh, I'm going to program 11-11 to mean this. So whenever I see 11-11, my hair grows by five extra centimeters. It could just be anything. But the point is, you can get so creative. You, But you can, I believe, you can program the numbers to mean whatever you want them to mean. So I find this way a lot more empowering. And, of course, helpful to speeding up my manifestations. But besides that, it helps me to see, again, how powerful I am. I'm always trying to constantly remember the self, you know, whatever that really is. I may have a tiny idea, but I just think, can we ever fully know what this thing is? (laughs) But, you know, there are little things that I do to try to remember. Who am I? What am I? What is this? divine consciousness that flows through me and by doing little things like that you know programming the numbers and by doing little tricks to kind of test my intuition it really helps me to see that oh wow oh my gosh I can do all these great things this is really amazing (laughs) that's so interesting well side note that like question that came up as you were talking about that is when you're doing manifestations does it have to just be like one singular thing that is very very attuned or like how does that work so yes and no I think it's different for each person you know some people it's a bit difficult to kind of focus on multiple things at once the, mm-hmm. the brain can start to get a bit overwhelmed or rather the mind can get overwhelmed but if one just takes just something in particular 
and they just put all of their energy energy and attention into that this can be better for people who kind of struggle to visualize a lot of different things what I like to do usually I will create a story surrounding the manifestation so like I said I'll be very detailed about whatever it is I'm painting or creating (laughs) with my mind and I will just imagine just as much as I can so there could be like let's say five things I'm trying to manifest within that story or within that scene in the movie (laughs) so that helps me to not feel like it's loads of things it's just one big thing within the same thing Mm. (laughs) that makes sense okay yeah Yeah. no like relating them into like one story and weaving them all together okay yeah now yeah side note to that is do you feel like it's necessary? So I am a very visual person. Mm-hmm. So I, I would think that in terms of my manifesting, I would think in terms of literally visualizing mm-hmm. what I want to be seeing and all of that. And do you feel like that makes it stronger? And what would you say to people who can't visualize? Okay, yes, right. So I would definitely have to say that uh, visualizing is really probably one of the best ways because... Again, if you think of it, there's always so much going on, you know, in the mind where just there are, we're thinking about, okay, what am I going to have for dinner? You're thinking about maybe things from the past. You're thinking about, I don't know, just all kinds of things throughout the day. There's a lot going on up there. And this dictates, or rather it can dictate how we are navigating in the physical plane. So it's going to affect our behavior, maybe how we speak to people, how we address the things and the people in our physical realm. So this tells us that this is a powerful tool that we can use. So when we can actually visualize, and again, because when you're doing that, you're tricking, because the mind doesn't know the difference, you're tricking the mind into thinking that this thing you're imagining is actually real, you know? Right. So I would definitely recommend that always. Visualization, visualizing is just a really great way to, Bring yourself into alignment with whatever it is you're trying to get to. However, if those, rather, if there are people who kind of struggle to do that, using affirmations is a really great tool as well. Just affirming that this is so. So whatever it is, you can say, I am financially abundant. Because whatever follows those, you know, whatever follows I am, it's powerful. So it's good if we can use positive words after I am. So Mm. I am confident. I am fearless. I am beautiful. I am whatever, but just positive things, empowering things. And we're affirming that, yes, this is what I am. So that is also a really good way to do things, but it's helpful if you can really believe it. So to just repeat the thing, and there's no depth to it and you don't believe it and it's a bit hollow and it just feels like, I don't believe this. That can be a problem. So it it's helpful if we can actually believe what we're affirming. Again, it's all about just tricking the mind. So even if you don't fully believe it, if you can just get on board, if you can kind of, so, okay, I'm just thinking of like another <laughs> analogy. So if you can kind of, I'm just thinking of a room, so like a doorway. If you can just step, at least step one foot into the doorway or just open the door at least. So you're kind of heading further into the room or coming to a place where you are going to step further into the room. This can be helpful, you know, so just to start to believe whatever it is you're saying, to just trick the mind into believing that, yes, I am financially abundant, yes. So saying it in this nonchalant way, saying it in a very confident way, and kind of, you can do little things in the physical realm to trick the mind. So for example, if you usually don't like spending a lot of money, but you do want a lot of money, you're going to have to get the mind to think that you are already financially abundant. So what you can do is, you can at least, once every month or what, however much you're able to do to take yourself to a very fancy location to a so-called expensive restaurant or whatever and to just order whatever you want to order 
to get yourself to believe that yes, I'm already in the energy of the abundance. Because when we kind of are wishing for things and we're hoping for things, but we don't feel like we're in the energy, there's no depth behind the words that we're saying. The, 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 it's like, not to say it can't manifest, but I would say it would take a lot longer because you don't believe it. But if we can kind of do things in our physical reality to trick ourselves into believing that, okay, yes, I'm already in the energy of this financial abundance. So therefore, when I affirm that I am financially abundant, I can think back to the time I went to that fancy restaurant. Because think of it, what would you do if you had all of the money in the world? You have to, as much as you can, (laughs) do those things now before it happens. We can't kind of... Yeah, we we just have to really get in the energy of the thing. And then we receive the abundance of the thing because we're already in the energy of it. We're in the vortex, so to speak. So from there, the things can just come to us rather than us kind of in this lack mindset and hoping for the abundance. There's a disconnect, you know, we are not, we're not aligned to the energy of the abundance because we are believing that there is lack. But if we, you know, affirm that there is no lack, because there is no lack there is no lack there's only abundance it's everywhere but often we just can't see it because of the stories that are playing in the mind right right Mm -hmm. what's ringing into my brain as you're saying that is it's really around what do you believe yes right and so if you believe that you will never have enough money Mm -hmm. then you will continue to perpetuate that yes right and so i like that idea where you're like well don't go crazy, but mm-hmm. maybe once, like mm-hmm. do something that if you had it, yes, you would do this. And then you can remember and repeat, like in your head, remind yourself and mm-hmm. bring back that memory and that feeling of, yes. I just had what I wanted and just did what I wanted to do because I had the abundance mm-hmm. and being able to have that experience as like a little yes. like anchor. Yes. I like that idea. Another good example I'll give, because I'm sure there are people who have dealt with this one, but if a person wants a relationship or wants to be married or whatever it is, but the thing hasn't come yet. So often such a person would end up kind of feeling sad that, oh, you know, I really want a partner, but they're not showing up. Again, there's a disconnect. So If, okay, if you think, okay, what would I do if the partner was here? Where would we go together? Would we go out to eat here, there? Would we go for a walk in this place? You can do the things by yourself. And, you know, if you're good with the imagination, you can just imagine that, okay, the partner isn't here right now. They're just at home right now, you know, or they're just at work or whatever. But just imagine that you're already in the timeline where you do have the partner, you're happy together and all of that, rather than constantly thinking about the fact that, oh, I've been single for so long, I'm always going to be single. Yes, your reality will then mirror that back to you, mm-hmm. you know. So we have to really get control of the mind and to use the imagination. This is our greatest tool, the imagination. We can just go up there and we can imagine whatever we want. And therefore, we can create whatever we want. Yeah, I feel like that's, um, well, it's A, definitely a practice, <laughs> Right. And, and it's interesting because when, as you were saying that just now, it's like, you know, when we were children, imagination was all we did. Right. Mm -hmm. We were just like making up games, making up best friends, Mm -hmm. some people, you know, making up whatever it may be. And, and then as we get older, we're told like, stop doing that. Right. And, and we, we stop exercise. It's like a muscle, right? You stop exercising that muscle. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I love what you're saying there, which is like, how do, yeah, how do we bring that back into our lives? Mm-hmm. How do we bring back that ability to imagine? And I, I would say to dream, right? To yes. dream yeah. and imagine like, what is that beautiful life that you want? Mm-hmm. And, and just allowing yourself that, that mm-hmm. ability to play around with, with that vision, um, because I think that we oftentimes get so trapped in, in the present moment. Yes. Which is funny because we want to be in the present moment. Yeah. But we, in a way, we get trapped by by the negative thought processes, yeah. the, yeah, just the negative negativity that may be surrounding us in the, in the current. Mm-hmm. And, and instead, how can we allow ourselves more creativity around imagining that beautiful life we want? Yes. 
I would say it really comes back to reconnecting or connecting with our inner child to mm. because we can learn a lot from children. Yes. They are I, I always say this, they are our greatest teachers. Because if we just observe them and even whenever you spend time with children, it's such an experience. You know, it is such a heartwarming experience and we learn so much. Mm. And we often, you know, because if you see how carefree children are, they can go and make friends with anyone. They just do all of the things that often we become so afraid to do as adults. <laughs> and that's very telling. So that really tells me that we can learn so much from children by reconnecting with our own inner child and by just embodying just those fearless qualities children have. Because a lot of the time as children, we would, some of us would kind of not be afraid of spiders. We would just maybe touch it or pick it up. And then as adults, <laughs> suddenly everything is scary. So it's like... It's so funny how It that is happens. funny. But, you know, children, yeah... I, I think they are very intuitive. They're very tuned yes. in. Yeah. And they're, they're also so connected to themselves. Yes. yes. Yeah. Because uh, life is a playground, I like to say. Mm-hmm. Life is a playground. There's all these different rides you can go on. There's different people to meet. There's candy floors. There's all different kind of things to eat <laughs> and experience. And if we can see things in this way, and see things through the eyes of a child, everything looks a lot more spectacular. You know, if we can just change the lens on the camera, (laughs) we can really see how amazing everything all is. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I love that. So I want to talk a little bit actually about all the manifestation talk was making me think of your YouTube channel. Uh, Do you talk about manifestation on there? I wasn't sure. I so it's a tarot. Okay, it's YouTube very channel, tarot focused. But I do talk about manifestation within that. Okay. Yes. Well, first off, I want to mention that in kind of doing a little research on Aisha the other day, I ended up watching the most recent video that was around how do you manifest abundance, and and it had kind of like a pick a pick which grouping you were and then watch that video and I watched it and it literally stunned me and I told her this before this podcast recording and I yeah it was just it literally felt like she was talking to me so Aisha I need you to tell me more (laughs) about tarot because and it's it's interesting because I I've been playing around with I love oracle cards Mm -hmm. we had talked about that before but I haven't really gone into tarot, but it just, it's so fascinating to me what was happening there and just how how pervasive it was to what I personally was struggling in, like right now. Right. Yes. Um, so yeah, I've been reading tarot for quite some time now. I believe, yeah, since around 2013, 2014, I believe. Yeah. So, okay, the thing of tarot, there is, so there's a few ways we can see this, you know, it can be seen as, okay, guess the person is psychic, they're, they are psychic, so they're getting their messages from, whether you want to say divine, source, universe, whatever, but they are tapped in, so you could say they have a very open crown chakra. So this is one way it could be seen. Another way it could be seen and this also applies to like face-to-face tarot readings, is that the person is reading your energy. So mm-hmm. they're tapped into your energy. So when you come there and sit in front of them, they're tuning into your energy and you are speaking to them with your body, whether you realize it or not. But also <laughs> you could be kind of telepathically telling them things. So again, it still comes back to being psychic or being at least tuned in enough to your intuition to be able to pick up on those messages another way it can go is that if someone is reading the card so someone has just memorized what each tarot card means and then when they kind of shuffle the deck and they pull a card out they're just kind of reading to you well not rather reading but they are interpreting that card based on how they see it so i would say that last one is the least psychic out Mm -hmm. of all of them because you're just kind of reading the cards 
some people it's a combination of all of the things so they're reading the cards and they're psychic and they're reading your energy so there's a few ways it can go I would say each person approaches it differently. Me personally, I don't really like to interpret the cards. I feel like it gets in the way of me receiving the messages. I just like to just, I set the intention before each reading. I say like, what, you know, why am I doing this? What, how do I hope to help people through this reading? And then I just kind of trust that the messages will come out if I just get out of the way and just say whatever comes up. So there's a lot of surrender required because if you just think, oh no, should I say that? Oh no, I won't say that. You're then in the way. But if you can just get out of the way completely and you just let the messages flow. And even if, because often with tarot readers, <laughs> they kind of, in the reading, they may say, I don't know if that makes sense because they're literally getting the messages and they're just saying it as it's kind of as they're hearing it, which is important. You know, it's important in tarot to just surrender and to trust that whatever you feel guided to say somebody or the group of people need to hear this they're meant to hear this so you you have to really trust yourself and trust that you do know what you're talking about mm. yeah yeah because um <clears throat> when we were talking about this earlier mm. you had mentioned how it was nice getting like some kind of positive feedback yes from your YouTube channel. And so, yeah. And so talk a little bit about like, how has kind of self doubt kind of played into, I mean, you can talk about your entire journey, but like you can talk about Tara, whatever kind of resonates with you. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad you brought this up actually. Yes. I have doubted myself a lot, a lot. And I've questioned, am I good at tarot? Am I really you know, do I make sense when I'm speaking and just all of these <laughs> things. But because I have been that way, the universe has sent me reminders mm. to kind of quiet that voice that is telling stories that are not true. So for example, if I feel, if I say something to someone and I say, oh, I think this is going to happen or, oh, I think you shouldn't do this or whatever it then later on turns out that I was right. So for example, back in the day, I would have a lot of dreams about things before they happen. So this is called precognitive dreams. Yeah, so this is a way of, you know, so based on my own journey, I feel like when this happens to me, it's the universe reminding me that, no, you are, you know, you are psychic, you are very intuitive. You need to trust this. You need to speak up more. You need to keep making tarot videos. <laughs> you need to <laughs> trust that what you say is what people need to hear. So I think when we do kind of have that self-doubt happening, you know, within the mind, we are sent reminders or rather we're sent I like to call them kind of angels in disguise. So there'll be people that come along and they'll tell us things. They might say, oh, you know, you're really good at this thing. And if it's something that you don't think you're good at, but you find that people keep telling you, even strangers, they keep saying, oh, you're good at this. Or, oh, you know, you should do this or whatever. I see these as angels in disguise. They're coming along to help us to kind of, to kind of help us to get onto our no do you know what I feel like we're always on our path so I won't say that but I would say these people help us to see that we are doing what we should be doing we are good enough to be doing that thing and that this is our purpose mm. yeah I, it's funny because I think in your reading that I was listening to there was something about listening to people who are positive giving you positive feedback on mm -hmm. whatever you're doing and I was like, oh, I always brush them aside. And mm. it's true. Like, how do we actually tune in to the fact that they were meant to be telling us these things to show us, like, you are doing the mm -hmm. right thing. This is the right path. So yes. that that just, like, clicked yes. as you were saying Because you'll see, there's always something. And it's funny because often it's the thing that you take for granted. Or it could be something that you're good at, but you just... You know, you're so good at something, you just... You're just like, oh, whatever. You just kind of take it for granted. Or you don't... You don't really see how good you are because it maybe comes natural to you. Mm. So often it's those things that other people will say to us, oh, you know, you're really good at that. And you're like, oh, you know, because you're just, it just comes natural to you. So you're not able to see or believe what they're saying. 
And this is why we will keep running into people who just tell us again and again, you are really good at this, or you should do this, or you should, you know, yeah. <laughs> so do you think it's those messages that have come up that have helped you get past your self-doubt or what has really kind of changed the tune on that for you? Yes, I would say that has definitely helped. Not completely, because I do <laughs> feel that ultimately we have to believe the thing. So whether someone is fantastic at tarot or reading or motivating people, whatever it may be, you need to really believe it yourself. So people can only do so much. They can help you. They can kind of, so I'm seeing this uh, visual now, they can kind of show you that, okay, yes, this is the room you're meant to be in, but you need to still walk into the room and you need to still do what you need to do in that room. But they can show you the way or they can point you in the direction of where you should be going or what you should mm -hmm. be doing, but you still need to do the thing, you know? So ultimately I have to believe it myself, but yeah, I would say it has helped having people, you know, say things like for me, it was, well, it's a few things <laughs> for me. It was the tarot. I would question myself a lot back in the day. I would kind of say to myself, am I really good at this? Am I good at making these videos? Do they resonate with anybody? You know, I didn't know. And more and more, I would have people leaving these comments saying, oh, wow, this really resonates with me. And it did help. It did kind of inspire me to keep making the videos. But I did stop making tarot videos for a while. And this was because just I lost control of <laughs> the horse of the mind. So, you know, ultimately I'm saying it's an inside job we have to still ultimately do the work ourselves people can only help us so much I believe what you just said really resonated with me I see it as like yes we have to believe in ourselves but sometimes we fall off the horse a little bit and we need someone to kind of guide us back yes right yeah, like yeah. you need you do you need both mm -hmm. you need belief in yourself mm -hmm. And you need people around you who also believe in you because I feel like it is a very, very difficult thing to always believe in yourself. Yeah. You know, like we will always struggle with that at times, mm -hmm. right? I, I mean, if, if someone has full confidence in themselves, God bless them. I <laughs> wish I was like that. But, you know, like, especially when you're trying something new or doing something that feels kind of like am I doing this right? Like how often are we asking ourselves that? Right. And it's, it's nice to have a little bit of that guidance of someone else saying like, yeah, you are great at that. And ju just that like reaffirming mm -hmm. that you are doing the right thing. And then, you know, and then you'll kind of get back to like, yes, I believe in me too. Yes. Something interesting you said that I want to pick up on, uh, when you said, you know, we will still have days where we question ourselves or we doubt ourselves mm. and I think this is actually quite normal even for people that are kind of where they want to be and very successful I think there will be times where the mind is trying to trick you again I think the key thing is to still do the thing anyway so even if you're afraid to do something you're like oh am I good enough to just do it just do it anyway and this is a way of kind of you're just almost discarding the mind. You're just telling it to just shut up. <laughs> you're just saying, shut up, I'm gonna do this anyway. You know, a good example I'll give was me when I first started teaching yoga. At first, I had a lot of imposter syndrome. I kind of thought, <laughs> it was funny because I was so used to being the student in class when I would go over and put my mat where the teacher's mat goes. A part of me was like, what are you doing? You're not a yoga teacher. Like, I just had all these <laughs> crazy thoughts like, you know, am I good enough to teach? Should I be here? And just all of the stuff. And interestingly enough, a lot of teachers who have been teaching for a really long time, they sometimes still suffer with this. They mm -hmm. sometimes will say, oh, was that a good class? And these could be really great teachers, you know, who receive a lot of great reviews. They will still have days where they're like, you know, should I be doing this? Am I good at this? And all of that kind of thing. So I think, you know, because I've heard that from teachers myself who are very experienced, who have been teaching for a really long time. And as a new teacher, that really helped me to hear that because then I felt less alone. And for any new teachers who are listening or any teachers or rather any uh, yogis who are hoping to teach, 
it's important to remember that you won't always fully feel confident. You won't always leave a class feeling like, oh my God, that was great. There may be days where the class wasn't so great. (laughs) There may be off days or all kinds of days. And this doesn't mean that we are not good. It just means that, you know, life is filled with the ebb and flow. There are going to be highs and lows. And if we can just hold space for all of the things and to know that whatever it is that's happening, this isn't a reflection on, or rather this doesn't take away from how amazing we are. I think it's important to keep that in mind. So to kind of distance ourselves from what we're doing, this can help. So, okay, you know, for me, I'm a yoga teacher, but if I then fully am so attached to being a yoga teacher and I'm, 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 you know, fully taking on that label, it's like, okay, but then who am I beyond that? And we can forget who we are outside of our work, even if it is work Mm. that we really enjoy. And I think this can become problematic at times because then let's say if there's a bad class, rather no, I won't say a bad class. If there's a class (laughs) that we think didn't go so well, we may then feel as though we are now not as worthy or we're not worthy, but we are always worthy, you know? Mm. So it can help to actually create some distance between who we are or who we think we are and what we're doing, especially if one is prone to kind of being really hard on themselves, you know? So yes, if there was a yoga class that didn't go so well, or, you know, if you're just feeling a bit moany one day or whatever it is, like to just know that, like, it's okay. It's okay. You know, you are still a divine cosmic being, regardless of what is happening in your external reality. Yeah, I see that as, yeah, a separation between what you're doing and who you are in that if something goes wrong, like that's not actually a reflection Mm -hmm. on who you are Mm -hmm. as a being, right? And the other thing that that I was thinking of as you were saying that was it's interesting because we do have such a propensity to focus on the one bad time not the hundreds of good times. And, you know, I think that's a very human quality. I think it's it's important to then reflect back on how many wonderful classes you did do, you know, and and taking a moment to remember that because it's, yeah, it's something that we all do so often. And it's like, how do we turn the dial up mm-hmm. on the good times? And because we often will think less of them, right? We will not really consider those good times. And, and instead we need to turn up the dial on the good and turn down the dial on the bad. And that is such a practice, obviously. Most definitely. To be able to do that. But yeah, I think we don't, it's, yeah, it's how do you put more emphasis Mm. on just how you even have great consistency, right? Mm. Like all those wonderful classes that you were able to teach, right? And being able to to really sit and like brew and, mm. and just bask in the glory of that experience. I mm. think that that is something that, that we need to tune our minds more towards. Yes. So something that was coming up as you were talking was <laughs> uh, non-attachment. Yeah. So yes, when things when things are going amazing, it can be easy to feel like you're invincible, to feel like, oh yeah, everything is going great and it's gonna keep going great. And you know, maybe it will, but it probably won't. <laughs> because <laughs> there will be something that yes. comes in that will because it's just the ebb and flow of life. Like yes. the, there will not be the, from now until when we leave the physical realm. We're not gonna have only good days. There will be bad days and bad moments. And this is okay. But when we can practice non-attachment, I'm really, really, really big on this. (laughs) Because when we are so attached to having things only go well and only go a certain way, then when they don't, we're in trouble. Yeah. Because then we're like a puppet on a string whose mood is going to always be dictated by what's happening in the physical realm. But if we can be non-attached, so if we can be neutral, to be like, okay, if things are going well, okay. If they're not going well, okay. And again, yes, it does take practice. (laughs) But this is a good position to be in because then 
you're the witness. So again, it's coming back to the self. So being the witness of whatever's going on, just watching the movie, watching the movie. It's like <laughs> another thing I like to say is, imagine you're playing a computer game. So you're playing PlayStation. You have turned on the PlayStation, all right? You've turned on the console. You have the control pad in your hands. But imagine you get so engrossed in the game that you forget you have the control pad. You forget that mm. it's a game. <laughs> you become so involved with the main character that you think that that's actually you. But you're the one that has the control pad in their hands. <laughs> so when we think of things in this kind of way and really use the imagination, it can help us to come back to this neutral point where we are just simply witnessing, observing, holding space for whatever. So not only thinking that, okay, things are only great if they're going like this. Things are going to go how they're going to go. Things are going to unfold in the way that we need them to unfold in, whether we realize it or not, because everyone has a different path. You know, we all have different things that we need to learn, that we need to go through and experience and observe. And remembering this can help us to be okay when things don't go in the way that we thought they would or think they should, you know, because ultimately everything is happening as it's meant to happen, but we just can't see all of the details, mm. you know? So I, I like to really practice <laughs> non-attachment and to remind myself that whatever I'm doing in this physical realm, it's just a part of the game, a part of the movie and whatever goes wrong goes right. I am still that divine cosmic being. I'm still that, I'm still a reflection of that consciousness that is reflected in all that I can see around me. You know, so I like to really keep those things in mind as much as I can, just so that I'm not, otherwise I feel like a puppet on a string, as I said, that's just, and that's exhausting to only feel okay when things are going like this and to be really sad when they're going like that. And, you know, it's not to say that you should avoid those feelings because as I do always say it's good to feel what you need to feel you know so if you do need to be a puppet or a string and feel like oh you're just really feeling it when things are going in the way that you don't want them to go and all of that then you can just go through that but I, I really at this point in my life I'm working hard to focus on being non-attached so that I can just be okay with what of with whatever it is, and I'm not kind of assuming that just because it a thing didn't kind of go in this particular way, that everything isn't still okay, kind of thing. I can definitely see how you're practicing that even before you said that when we were talking earlier about your YouTube channel and you were saying, I'm unattached to what people's reactions are to my videos, but I just post them because I feel like it's what I'm meant to do. Mm -hmm. And I, I picked up on that earlier and I was like, oh, she's practicing non-attachment. <laughs> like, that's beautiful. But I think it's, it really is such a powerful thing to live by because the idea where you can say, I don't, I'm not concerned with, with whatever the outcome is. I just do it because it just feels right to me. And that whatever happens of it is not going to affect who you are. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's really, really powerful. Yes, yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely been life-changing since I started doing this consciously. It helps a lot because then, you know, for example, when I, <laughs> when I teach classes that are kind of fully booked and there's a wait list for the classes, I don't let that kind of gas me up. I don't think, oh my God, I'm so amazing because... Not to say I'm not amazing, we're all amazing, but I mean, <laughs> I don't let it go to my head when there's a lot of people booked into my classes, because then what would happen is, let's say if one week there's only five people booked in or no one books in, mm -hmm. then how am I going to feel? But if I'm like, okay, I'm teaching yoga because it's a part of my dharma, I want to serve others and help others, and that's my focus, I don't care about the numbers. And I honestly, I don't care about the numbers. I just, I only check it to obviously see if there's people booked in and I should go, <laughs> but I'm not thinking that, oh, if the numbers are below a certain level that something is wrong with me or that I'm not good. Cause there could be so many reasons why that happens. So I don't even bother going into that 
timeline. I, I don't even give that any thought. I just teach the class and that's it. I just don't wish to let anything go to my head, especially as a yoga teacher, because that can happen. You can end up being deep in the ego and feeling like, oh, you know, I'm on top of the world because, you know, I've got all these classes everywhere and all of these great studios and my classes are always fully booked. What can happen is sometimes if we need to be humbled, the universe will humble us, you know, so whether a person gets an injury and then they can't teach at all. And of course, that's not to say that if you have an injury as a teacher, that's why there could be many reasons. <laughs> but just as one reason for the, a person who needs to learn that lesson, they would then get an injury so that they can take time to focus on the non-physical side of yoga and to detach a little from the numbers and from all of the popularity and all of that kind of thing and, and to, you know, to give them a chance to come back home to self and to, you know, do some deep inquiry. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I see that as the journey is going to change to what you need to learn. <laughs> yes, yeah, right? exactly. It reminds me of this quote that we were talking about, actually. <laughs> but it's true. Like, I mean, in many ways, it does often feel like life kind of throws at you what you need to learn from. I mean, obviously, there's varying degrees of that, mm -hmm. you know, and and I will, don't want to diminish anyone's experience or anything that they're going through by any means. But I do, you know, I do like the idea where it's, where it's like life throws at you what it believes that you can work through and learn from. Yes. Yeah. I definitely do agree with that. Um, but of course it can be hard to see that in the moment. So, yeah. you know, and I'm speaking from a place of lived experience, so I'm not in this magical place where everything is great. No, I'm still working through a lot of things and, and all of that kind of stuff. So, so there are still things I am still working through myself, you know, and, you know, ultimately, yeah, it's about remembering that it's okay to just go for the various stages and to, if you need to kind of be in a place where you're feeling really low, again, so not to say that, if you're there, then I don't want to take away, you know, from anyone's experience, but I'm really big on just feeling what we need to feel. And if we are in a certain space, it could sometimes be that we just kind of need to be there for as long as we need to be there. So rather than kind of trying to stop feeling that way or rather trying to run away from that and get away from that, I found for myself often when I just realized that, okay, I'm here. I don't want to be here, but this is where I am in this moment. And if I can just kind of relax into it, <laughs> strange as that can sound, because you may not feel like relaxing, but if I can just kind of accept that, okay, this is how I'm feeling right now. This is where I am right now. Often the shift occurs not too long after that. Once the universe kind of sees that <laughs> we are coming closer towards learning the lesson or realizing that we have to be in this certain space or place at the moment yeah this this is what I really tried to do so and it, it does take a lot of effort you know to just accept that okay if I'm feeling really crappy let me just sit with this let me just sit with this <laughs> and feel this way for as long as I need to feel like this so not being really hard on myself and trying not to really judge myself and acting as though, you know, for example, as a yoga teacher, <laughs> there could be this idea that, oh, they have it all figured out. Like, no, they don't. Everyone <laughs> is still, I feel like everyone is just working things out and winging it to an extent, you know? So there will be days where you just need to just let yourself be in the crap and to just feel like crap and to hold yourself through that you know I found that really helpful especially for me when it has come to things like depression and not feeling so great when I just kind of let myself be there and because if I'm feeling that way for me it it's so for me it can be an indication that I need to change something or that something isn't quite in alignment with who I truly am so, for example, if I'm trying to squeeze myself into a space that doesn't resonate or if I'm or if I've outstayed my 
welcome in a particular timeline or <laughs> it's time for me to kind of move on to the next place but I'm resisting and then I just start feeling really horrible so and I'm just saying for me because I feel like it's different for everyone so I don't want to say that you know I'm not a doctor or anything like that so I'm just <laughs> speaking about how I feel my universe communicates with me when I feel certain types of ways but yes I just like to use it as a guide so I use it as a way to see okay where do I still need to do some work? What wound do I still need to tend to? Or how have I maybe outgrown a particular environment or particular job or relationship or whatever the thing could be? So I, I like to use it as a guide, but most importantly, I let myself feel what I need to feel for as long as I need to feel it. So if that means, you know, staying in bed and if that means crying yourself to sleep or whatever it could be, I just, I just like to go through it. And I like to really soothe myself and kind of cradle myself as I go through those moments. Yeah, I think that's really powerful to say that because it, there is such a propensity to kind of bury your feelings mm -hmm. or ignore your feelings or push them away. And, and I think there really is something to be said for just allowing yourself to feel what mm -hmm. needs to be felt. And and it's, it was interesting as you were saying that, cause I was like, I feel like I, I had to practice that recently mm -hmm. and, and it made me be like, well, once I felt it, I was then able to kind of like digest it, you mm -hmm, know, like mm -hmm. sit with it and be like, why am I feeling this way? Mm -hmm. Like what is really coming up for me? And instead of just like throwing it somewhere else, in which case you don't get to really look at it and and figure out what what is really going on with for you mm -hmm. you know and and what how can you make this better i feel like otherwise yeah you don't get to really be with it yes yeah you know i i like to feel that everything that happens can be a teacher if we wish to see it as such mm -hmm. you know for as long as i can remember just even since i was a child i've always seen the silver lining in everything like, I don't know how or why, but I've just always naturally done this. So whenever something happens, I would just say, okay, but I've learned this. Or I will ask myself, what have I learned from this? Or how would I prevent this from happening again? Or, you know, why did this need to happen? And yes, sometimes we have no answer. We, we, we're unable to see why something had to happen. And maybe there is no answer, but I, I still like to extract the lesson and the blessing from mm. things that happen. You know, for example, my father's passing because I looked after him while he was sick. So, you know, it was stage four cancer. So as soon as we, yeah, pretty much not long after we found out, I became one of his carers and I was caring for him, looking after him. And something interesting happened. I realized how nurturing I was. And how maternal I was. And I had always thought I was not that way at all. It's so funny. But when I was like feeding him, looking after him and, and taking care of him, I realized, oh my gosh, this comes very natural to me. You know, so that was one thing I learned from that experience, as hideous as it was. This is just what I naturally do. I, I like to see how I've grown from a thing. Or I like to see how... I just like to sit back and really reflect about the things that happen and I and I like to figure out how this has served me or how I'm a better person now after this. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> I think that's really incredible what you just said because it's it's true we can go through such difficult mm. times and and yet there can be such beautiful learning. Also, I just want to say the fact that you've always looked for the silver linings is just so beautiful. Like I'm I aspire to be more like that. Thank you. So I I think that's really wonderful. Sometimes I feel like thinking at the in thinking in that way has saved my life because there have been some very hideous things, you know, that I have experienced in my life. And I just feel like there's a real divine reason why I I am supposed to see the silver lining in things because there have been a lot of horrible things, you know. So thinking in that way has really helped me a lot to not 
just dwell on the surface. I, I just like to go beneath the surface so that I can see, okay, what's happening beneath the surface, you know? What is happening in the unseen realm? What what can I not see with the physical eyes, but what can I feel? What am I feeling about this situation, you know? Mm. And that also allows me to really utilize the intuition and to connect with, yeah, that non-physical part of myself, you know? Mm. So the self, once again. But yes, I'm definitely really happy that I'm able <laughs> to think in that way because I know that, you know, it's because it comes natural to me. It's in some ways maybe hard for me to imagine not being that way, if you know what I mean, because it's just something I've always done. But I can appreciate that that's probably difficult for a lot of people to do, especially when it's something so horrible. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, one thing I, I actually I was going to say before, and then I lost it, and now it's back, <laughs> is that it oftentimes it can take time yes, to really see yeah. the lesson or the or that silver lining mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be, like what has kind of come of that mm-hmm. maybe difficult situation that you're in. But sometimes it just takes time to finally yes. be like, oh, look, look at all I learned. Look at how mm-hmm. I've grown. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you're currently sitting in something and you're like, why did I just go through that? I would say to that, like, mm. give it time. Yes. And, you know, another thing I, I always say is that we only see what we are meant to see, what we're able mm. to see. So, for example, if someone is just not really able to see the silver lining, maybe in anything, they're they're never going to and perhaps they're not supposed to you know there's all kinds of things but we each have our own path to walk down and this is why nothing is black and white and everything is going to be different for each person because we're all going to see things in a different way because we all need to see things in a different way you know so for example someone that's meant to be a motivational speaker okay of course it would help them if they not rather help them but it would be good if they are naturally able to kind of think in that way because then they can get through all of that and they can then inspire people who are where they used to be so it all depends on what our journey is and what we're meant to do and and all of that it's just it's all very complex (laughs) this human experience but yeah this is why there's no one size fits all you know and yeah wherever someone is it's going to be different that you know how I'm saying these things and how I'm explaining things it may not resonate with some people because it's not meant to you know Mm -hmm. they are going to and they're supposed to see the world through their own lens you know this is why everything is so beautiful because we each have our own unique way of seeing everything and it's perfectly okay I feel like this is exactly how it's all meant to be you know yeah absolutely I'm going to stop commenting on everything you're saying because we will literally never stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) Although it's been so wonderful. Um, But I will ask you, is there anything else that you want to share before we move on? I don't think I can think of anything. Okay. No. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, I think we covered a lot. Yes. No, we did. (laughs) Okay, so let's go to our final questions. So the first question is, how would you describe your current relationship to yourself? (laughs) I would say, so what first came to mind, I'm just going to say what came to mind, was a work in progress. Because I'm I'm someone that is just constantly evolving. For those that are into astrology, I'm a Scorpio rising, so it's like my whole life has been just constant waves of metaphorical death and rebirth so I'm constantly like changing the way I relate to myself and just it's always changing so it's just the process is always ongoing um but I would say I'm in a place where I am consciously falling deeper in love with myself so that is what I'm actively wanting to do more of yeah amazing I love that. All right. Next question is, what is something that you are currently looking to manifest? (laughs) If you're willing to share. (laughs) Oh, let me see. So 
can I say two things? Sure, absolutely. Um, so I would say a partner is something I wanted to manifest, like a really great guy. This is one of the things. So another thing is, so I want to relocate to another country, but I'm not sure. So because I've kind of released attachment to where, you know, in my mind, mm. I feel like it's Bali, but. I kind of had an epiphany where I realized, actually, I don't know where it's going to be. This is something I may not know. So the only thing I do know is that I am destined to move away somewhere else. So I'm kind of surrendering to that. So I'm still manifesting the move itself, but I'm releasing attachment to where. I'm kind of trusting that the universe will guide me to the place that I'm meant to be at. I'll be led to mm. the destination. I'll be led to <laughs> the country I'm meant to move to. And I just need to get out of the way. Ultimately, is how I feel about it. Very cool. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. I know that was a little personal. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> but I was also just like, well, I got to throw in a manifestation yes. question in there. <laughs> okay, so the next one is what do you consider most valuable to you right now? Hmm. Peace of mind came to me first. Yeah. So I'm just kind of saying what first comes to yeah. me without thinking, yeah, peace of mind. Just, it's like the older I get, I just want peace <laughs> and to feel at peace. And in those moments when I feel like that, I really like to savor it and like, oh, I, yeah, I just like to really bathe in that moment and to really have a lot of gratitude for feeling that way. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's beautiful. Okay. So last question is, what is the number one skill you believe that everyone should work on? Listening to their intuition. Hmm. I like to call the intuition the inner GPS. So, you know, a lot of the time we may kind of go to others for advice I really believe that we have all of the answers within if we would just turn down the volume of the voice that is talking rubbish <laughs> and turn up the volume of the intuition, the inner guru. So I would say we would all really benefit from learning how to listen to ourselves, learning how to trust ourselves and to really go on that journey where we are kind of having a dialogue <laughs> with the the true self, that, that thing within us that knows where we need to go and and yeah yeah I would say that <laughs> I love that answer it's it's true we get very disconnected mm -hmm. from ourselves so tuning back in is is yes. very much a big part of the journey mm -hmm. okay so that was quite a lot of us talking but <laughs> thank you so much Aisha for thank coming for on the me. show it was it was so wonderful talking with you Thank you. It was lovely to be here. And yeah, I look forward to part two if we have one. I already think this is going to be part one and two, let's be honest. So look forward to part three and four. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so you can find Aisha on Instagram. It's A-Y-S-H Grant. Mm -hmm. And she also has her affirmations, affirmations by Aisha. And do you want to share where you can find like your books and everything like that? Yes. So both of my books, Unraveling, Dancing in Eternal Now, and also Mounting in the Heart Space, a collection of uplifting messages. They are both available on Amazon in paperback and ebook format. Yes. What else? Oh, also my YouTube channel is Aisha-Musings from the Ether. <laughs> So over there I post, you know, tarot videos. By There's also some videos of me kind of um, where I'm talking on camera. I think there's one about non-attachment actually. Yeah, so definitely mm. check out my YouTube. There's a whole bunch of different things on there. Wonderful. So yes, definitely check all of that out. Again, Aisha is a yoga teacher also in London, UK. So if you happen to be in London... Definitely check out one of her classes. Yes. So thank you so much again, Aisha. This thank was you. so wonderful. <laughs> Thanks, Jessica. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to A Way of Thinking. 
If you loved this episode, please hit the follow button and share this episode with your friends. I hope some of the beautiful wisdom shared today resonates with you and perhaps creates some change in your way of thinking. If you're looking for support in your journey, click on the link to my website to book a free self-love discovery session. Remember that I believe in you and I am so excited for the day that you believe in you too. Let's continue learning and growing together.